Have you ever heard the phrase, practice what you preach? Uh, This past week I've been listening to a podcast by Christianity Today called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. I don't know if you pay attention to, you know, the church world or the happenings in the larger world of the church. Mars Hill was a large megachurch run by Mark Driscoll. But he ended up resigning over allegations of abuse in his church. Just leadership abuse, not sexual abuse. Uh, as a part of that podcast, they, they talk about church culture. And they talk about uh, cult, cultic leadership uh, kind of practices. and A cult of personalities, right? And uh, So they also mention Willow Creek and Bill Hybels, who also resigned I think in 2018, from allegations of sexual abuse. And then, of course, it came out not too long ago that Ravi Zacharias had a long history of sexual abuse or sexual misconduct. And so, like, I think it's clear, we can see, and the Catholic Church is no less this way, that we have a message of love, right? But is the church practicing what it preaches, especially from its preachers, right? That's what we're going to talk about today. We're in a uh, multi-part series called Hearing God, and this is part four. I don't know. I'm not sure how many uh, episodes this series is going to be, but we're just going to keep going. I'm, I, don't have a, a, I don't have a set number yet. I'm just kind of going through and explore, We're exploring this together, right? Hearing God. Uh, I started out in the first one just talking about, you know, what does it mean to hear from God or to hear God? And I think Scripture is clear that we should. I talked about participatory revelation, you know, because we read in Scripture how other people heard God. And yet we we tend to think, one, we, do we really know anybody that hears God today? Like, We tend to think that it was something that happened in the past in the Bible, but it doesn't happen now, right? Do you know anyone that hears God? I grew up in church, right? Um, in my 20s, I got this idea that I could hear God. And yet, I looked around at my church, and nobody was doing it. I didn't see it happening, right? So I think it's easy to read it in Scripture and think it doesn't happen now because it's not happening around us. And, and you know, we even look to our leaders, right, our preachers, <laughs> to see what they practice are they practicing an intimate relationship with God? Are they teaching this intimate relationship? Now, I've finally come home to a church that does believe we can interact and encounter God and that God still works as God did in the past. Healing, speaking, guiding, leading. And so I think it's really cool the journey I've been on of knowing God intimately has led me to a church that affirms that, which is really cool. But for most of my Christian journey, I was living in opposition to my church culture. Right? And I could say, I hope without criticism and condemnation, I can say that my church didn't practice what it preached because it preached that we could know God. It preached that we had the Holy Spirit. It preached that the Holy Spirit was our guide, our it would lead us into truth, like all these truths <clears throat> it taught. It taught that Jesus was our shepherd, that we could hear his voice that as sheep we should. But it didn't practice what it preached. I think the church as a whole 
has a practice problem, not a preaching problem, right? We, 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 I think we do pretty well espousing truth, the truths of the gospel. We, we do pretty go- pretty good job preaching, but do we, do we do a pretty good job practicing? I'm sure you've heard this phrase, church hurt, right? That's what I was talking about, you know, uh, oh, well, you know what? <laughs> I forgot to say, my lead-in, this is the Construction Monk Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Ori. I am a um, spiritual director, a teacher of contemplation, and a carpenter. Sorry, I forgot to do that. I'm just jump. I'm excited. I'm always excited. I love doing this. I hope that you know that. This is great. So, um, uh, now i got to pick back up where I was. Um, I was talking about... Mark, Mark. I was talking about church hurt, and Mark Driscoll especially. Like, this is very fascinating. I listened to this podcast, and like the the, you know, I think it's very common for us to hear about pastors who are caught up in scandal, right? And and, and generally speaking, they were good pastors. Like, there was no real controversy in the church. They were good teachers. They were well loved. But it, it comes out that they had this secret struggle right and so generally the that kind of abuse is just the shock of their moral character like generally they were good pastors but in the in the case of Mars Hill it was uh, and Mark Driscoll his leadership style was abusive this is these are the allegations i'm not trying to make that claim but this is the you know this, i think it's pretty well like this, this podcast is interviewing people from the church and people that were leaders alongside of Driscoll and mentors of Driscoll. And so it's pretty clear that he had an abusive leadership style, right? So people were um, traumatized by the way that he led as a pastor, by being involved in the church. And so we're hearing this phrase and this idea of church hurt and we, and, and just like, just if we're honest, or just if we have an honest, um, if we have any idea what's going on in the church at this time, people are leaving the church, especially the evangelical church. Now, there is a resurging interest in ancient faith and Eastern Orthodox and, you know, maybe even in, there is in contemplation, I'm not sure about Catholicism in general, but, um, like, that's pretty cool, but people are leaving the church, right? People are feeling like the church is doing some doing more harm than good, which is interesting. But I would say the general accusation is we're not practicing what we preach. Sometimes what we preach may not be good, but I think generally people would say, well, it's a good message. God is love. God wants to heal our brokenness, our woundedness. But when our woundedness comes from the people of God, what are we to say? What can we say? Can we say the message is bad? Or do we say the way that we're living the message isn't good? Are we practicing what we preach? Well, what are we, what are we preaching? <laughs> and how do we practice it? That's what I want to talk about. There are practices. And I've already, I've already talked about practices, right? The first two uh, after the introduction... 
which was about expectations when it comes to hearing God. The first two things I talked about were practices, reading the Bible and prayer. These are practices, right? So I think it's important when we think about how to practice what we preach to understand what what we should practice and how we practice it. It's, it's, there's two components to this. Of course, you know, practice what you preach. Well, what are you preaching and how do you practice it? That's the question. There's the practices, but there's also... There's, there's how we practice them and there, the, there are the practices. Like what, and, and there's the other question I want to get into. What are we practicing for? I think sometimes that's, that's a really good question, right? There's these two ideas in Christianity of salvation and sanctification. I'm sure you've heard these terms. I heard them first, and that kind of made a lot of sense. Like, okay, first you get saved, right? Then when you're saved, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's a seal guaranteeing our eventual acceptance into heaven. Scripture talks about it like that, like a bookmark, a seal, a guarantee of salvation. And then, like, so we get saved, right? So that means that we're, like, we're good with God. We're going to get into heaven when we die. After that is sanctification. It's what we call sanctification, where, where we can not only get saved, but then we can begin to practice the Christian life, right? I think that we have made too great a distinction between salvation and sanctification. I think they're one and the same. They both have to do with coming to, well, they both have to do with following Jesus, right? We would say salvation is deciding to follow Jesus. Know that old song? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. <laughs> the world before me, the, cro- uh, the cross before me, the world behind me. That's what the, uh, the next verse says. Like we've decided to follow Jesus. Salvation is deciding to follow Jesus. Sanctification, we think, is the, the continuation of that promise. But I wonder sometimes if we just don't make the promise and then... Mm, Kinda, not do much else. So we, what? We get the preaching part, but we kind of don't get too much of the practice part. (laughs) My screen is, uh, it just went dark a couple times. I don't know, my phone, I feel like my phone's getting glitchy on me. I was recording a video the other day, and it just right in the middle for my from hey for my YouTube channel, Jay Randall Ori. You can go check that out. <laughs> I'm doing a series there too called Spiritual Reality. I think it's it's been fun so far. There's four parts to it. Anyway, I was recording the third part, and like all of a sudden in the middle, there's one one minute where there was no sound. I was kind of peeved about it, to be honest. I'm just like sitting there making motions, gesturing wildly <laughs> there's nothing no noise no sound is coming out it was, um whoa there's a spider maybe that's why there's a spider upside down on my recording device oh he has a white 
See if I can get him off. All right, I think he's off. Who knows? Oh, no, he's dangling from my arm. Okay, this is where I grab the web and drop him to the ground. He, was, uh, he had a white triangle on his back. It was kind of cool, actually, to be honest. All right, I'm trying to figure out where, where I want to go here. I need to get a spider web stick. <laughs> every, every time I have to. I don't like, I don't want to. The spiders. There we go. Okay, anyway. Sorry. Ah. Salvation sanctification, right? That's what I was talking about. I'm on the trails, guys. <laughs> in, case you, in case it wasn't clear, I record this on the trails. Anyway, and or it's early morning. It's quiet. It's actually a cooler morning. It's nice. Um, but hey, sanctification and salvation, right? We get to pre- we get preached to, but we don't necessarily get to the practice part. <sighs> what are we practicing? and what are we practicing for? You know. Do we just have a good message? That's the question. Do we just have a good message? Are we practicing that message? What is the message? Is the message get saved? And then once you get saved, well, you're done. What is the message? Get saved. What is salvation? Are salvation and sanctification separate? Or is salvation deciding to follow Jesus and sanctification actually doing it? And if we just get saved, if we think it's just getting saved to go to heaven, then we've actually done the thing, right? We're done. And sanctification then becomes just an additional thing we could do if we wanted. But if sanctification and salvation are the same thing, like we're deciding to follow Jesus and then we actually decide, we actually do it, then we can't separate them and we can't make them two different parts of the whole. And we can't make them one necessary, the other optional. They're both the same. Salvation is deciding that we need to live a different life. We're convicted of the way we've been living. Right? Practice. The way we've been practicing life. You could say. So, we're convicted of the way we've been living. That we need to come to God and live the life the way God wants us to live. The way God designed us, you could say. I think that's that's true. But then how does our life change? How do we practice the truth that we now come to believe that we were living against God's what you know desired way? How do we then begin to live in the way God desires? I I don't know if it is more to us than a set of beliefs. Maybe a set of good morals we we try to you know, we acquiesce to, we acknowledge. Like, I think we may even say, yes, so as Christians, we're supposed to be loving, like the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? Yeah, yeah. Those are the things, right? That's what we're supposed to be doing, right, as Christians. So we're trying to do the things. We're trying to love more. We're trying to, you know, be peaceful. But... Oh, wow. Mm, I'm passing through a part of the trail where they've cut down. A tree had been blocking, but I smell the wood. Oh, I'm a carpenter. I love the smell of fresh cut wood. love the smell of fresh cut wood in the morning. (laughs) It's great. Ah, I do love, man. I love cedar. 
The smell of cedar. I was cutting some cedar planks. Ah, uh, it was four weeks ago, actually. And then, like, I, I have a battery-powered saw, and I put the saw up in my back of my truck. For, like, the next two weeks, the back of my truck smelled like cedar, and I loved it. It just, every time I would, because some of the cedar dust got in there. Every time. You know, Scripture says we are the aroma of Christ in the world. Hmm. Talk about aromas. Like, a pleasing aroma, right? Do we smell like Christ? What does Christ smell like? Love. Joy, peace. <laughs> are we practicing what we preach? What are we preaching? Are we preaching get saved? Are we preaching live a life? Are we preaching God rescues you from this hell hole when you die? Or are we preaching God can rescue you now by transforming you in your heart, mind, body, soul, spirit. What are we preaching? I think I think we have I think the problem is twofold. I think the problem is preaching and practice. I think we're actually practicing what we preach pretty well. Dang. Mm. Cuz we're preaching a mental set of truths that we need to believe in. So we we're, what we're really preaching is a change of truths, a tra- change of mental framing. A change of a worldview, not a change of a lifestyle. I think we really do practice what we preach. That's where the, why the church often is where it is now. And that's why we have these stories of people like Mark Driscoll and Bill Hybels and Ravi Zacharias. They preached really good, but they didn't practice what they preached. And I'm being very reductionist, right? I'm not saying they're horrible people across the board. But damn, when people get abused by someone who's preaching the gospel... I think that's that's a pretty grave, uh, uh, pretty grave parting from what they're preaching. Or pretty grave. I'm trying to think of the the word. <sighs> the word aberration is coming to my mind, but it's a pretty grave break from what they're saying and what they're doing. Right? It's a schism between these two things. Right? That's pretty serious. You know, I mean, there's nobody's perfect. Your pastor isn't perfect. They're not in the pulpit because they're perfect. Of course, we know that. That's okay. There's grace for that. But 10, 20, 30 years of abuse that continues and even gets worse. That's that's a that's 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 an indicative of a spiritual pandemic in the church. And if our leaders are doing this, what are we doing? The church, especially the evangelical church, is losing people by the droves. I think because of this problem, because what we preach isn't so great, and how we practice it also isn't so great. Even if we practice the good parts of what we preach, we might be doing better, but we're not. So my question is, what should we be practicing and how do we practice it? These are the practices. Now, you know, so much of my journey, why I am where I am, why I'm a mystic and a contemplative is because of the practices that I've maintained throughout my life. Now, don't, I'm not saying I've got a halo. I know you're thinking, remove the halo, dude. Don't think that you're so freaking great. No, I'm not not saying I did it perfect or well all the time, but I'm saying I've maintained a set of practices throughout my Christian life. And in the 
you know, the second podcast in the series, I talked about how I was challenged in 10th grade to read my Bible, and I did. I mean, that was really cool, man. I, that changed so much for me. But, like, I practiced. I had this practice of reading Scripture, right? I kept, I, and I've kept up with it. And it's, it's made such a big difference for me, even just personally in my walk with God. I love that phrase. We're gonna, I, we'll get, we might get to some scriptures about that coming up. Um, there's a couple of scriptures that just use that this imagery of walking with God. But are you walking with God? What does that mean? Right? Reading scriptures are practice. Prayers practice. Prayers is another one. Man, I began my prayer practice out of desperation. I was depressed. I was lonely. My home life wasn't so great. I felt alone. I felt like nobody cared about me. Didn't have many f- friends, if any. I felt desperate. I felt alone. I felt burdened. And that's how my prayer practice began. I felt I needed to talk to God. I started talking to God as if God was right there. I walked and talked with God. I think that was really foundational for me because I walked. I started out walking in my prayer practice. And it's, man... Uh, there's a couple of things that, that that taught me, I think. One is that prayer is not a cloistered practice. I don't sit in a room in silence, or it's not just at church, and it's not just in my prayer, quote, prayer room. You know, there's I don't, like, pray beside my bed, and that's it. Like, my prayer practice isn't isolated to certain places and times, but I walking in prayer, or praying while I walk, kind of showed me that I should walk through life praying, like in every moment, in every place, I can pray. I should be praying through life. Like when Paul says, "Pray without ceasing," it's kind of the idea that he's talking about. Although in the you know the one on prayer talk, well, you'll hear that. Actually, I just posted it, <laughs> but um, that'll come before you hear this. Pray without ceasing. Part of that is it's like you're just walking through life praying. It's not just always audible prayers, but it's communion, and, and that's what we talked about in the prayer. Like it's. It's communion. So you're walking through the world communing. But the practice, like I didn't start out with that idea. I started out talking to God, but I started out walking and talking. But eventually I came to the realization that prayer is about communion. But I got there because I had the practice of prayer. And I practiced it different at different times. But I just I just learned to talk with God in every moment, in any moment, that I could in any moment. I didn't do it in every moment. So like I'm moving towards that command from Paul to pray without ceasing because I had the practice and the practice led me to a greater intimacy with God because that's what practices do. What do we practice and why? I just said it. All the practices should lead us to intimacy with God. That's where we're headed. The pra- we're practicing relationship. Do you practice relationships? <laughs> um that's what we're practicing for, and that's what the practice is. Uh, maybe I'll go here now. There's two really good books. Um, I looked up, I've read these two, two books many times actually throughout my life. So let me just slide over there if I can. Uh, okay, here we go. Um, trying to find out. Okay. Um, one of the books, I've read this several different times. It's interesting how you can read something, scripture or, you know, um, devotionals or anything, 
at different times in your life, and they, they really speak to you in different ways. I read this. This is called The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. He was a... I'm, I'm going to blank now. I think he was an 18th century, 19th century monk. Um, he was a lay monk, actually. But I read this in my 20s, and I read it again in my 40s. And man, when I read it again in my 40s, I was like... I just saw it such a different way. Of course, I've, I've grown. I'd grown, and I understood things are different. But I was like, man... I like I remember I read things that I remembered but they meant so, they meant such different things to me because I was walking and growing, right? And if you're reading scripture and it means the same to you now as it did 10 years ago. You're not really your walk isn't getting you very far. That's my point. So, I just wanted to read something from The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence, right? Um well, maybe I'll, I'll give you a little history. So, Brother Lawrence was, he was basically a janitor at a monastery, right? He, he wasn't one of the monks. He was a lay monk. He kind of was, uh, I don't know exactly how he got into the monastery, but he wasn't accepted as a monk. But he was there working, and he kind of became a monk. So, he, he had a job, right? Now, every monk helps do things that maintain the monastery and and provide for the monastery right it's, they don't just sit around praying all the time not not most of them but but he like he actually came the opposite way he wasn't a monk who had a job he had a job and became a monk as a part of it so like the point is like he didn't really have the luxury to practice contemplation like most monks did he was working but he learned this is why he learned to practice the presence of God the way he did because he couldn't pursue God through full-time dedication. He had to pursue God as he worked. And so that's, this is what made him kind of unique was he said his main practice was the presence of God so that he learned how to commune with God and walk with God in everything he did because most of what he did was he had to work. He couldn't have a special place or time of prayer. So he made every place and time a place and time to commune with God. So that's so cool, right? I think that's, that's, here's a good example of the practice, what we're practicing and what it, we're practicing for. So this is what Brother Lawrence writes in the practice of the presence of God. I still believe that all spiritual life consists of practicing God's presence and that anyone who practices it correctly will soon attain spiritual fulfillment. To accomplish this, it is necessary for the heart to be emptied of everything that would offend God. He wants to possess our hearts completely. Before any work can be done in our souls, God must be totally in control. There is no sweeter manner of living in the world than, continuously communion, than continuous communion with God. Only those who have experienced it can understand. Hmm. So, you know, what are we practicing? What are we practicing for? He, he really says our main work is, he says, we must empty our heart of everything that would offend God so that he can possess our heart completely. Like, I do think truly that the work we are doing is inner work. But what, are we, what, are we, what we're working towards is the presence of God, to, be, to live out of the presence of God, to live in the presence and out of the presence of God. Right, God says, be holy, or scripture says, be holy as I am holy. God's calling us to be like him. That was 
Brother Lawrence. Now that second book is called The Imitation of Christ by Thomas A. Kempis. Like both of these books, notice the titles. They're talking about becoming like God. Like the, getting the character of God, right? I, so that's interesting. All right, let me see here. I'm trying to find this. Ooh. <sighs> Crazy. I'm trying to bounce around between texts, pictures. Uh... Here we go. This is, sorry, I, I, I didn't really, the, from the picture it didn't show me the book. I couldn't tell if it was, this is Thomas A. Kempis, The Imitation of Christ. This is what he writes. A lowly knowledge of thyself is a sure way to God than the deep searching of man's learning. Not that learning is to be blamed, nor the taking account of anything that is good, but a good conscience and a holy life is better than all. And because many seek knowledge rather than good living, therefore they go astray and bear little or no fruit. Listen to that last sentence. Because many seek knowledge rather than good living, therefore they go astray and bear little or no fruit. What are we engaged in? Are we on social media arguing that our truth is better? We know the right stuff and we have the right world view and our truth is the best. Our knowledge is God knowledge and so it's good. Are we more focused on good living? Scripture says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. There's knowing truth and there's being set free by the truth. There's, there's knowledge and there's practice. There's knowing things and there's practicing them. It's the practice that really bears out the truth. And I would say we don't know anything that well at all if we haven't practiced it. We don't really know it. You've got to live in it. You've got to live with it. You've got to work it out. You've got to be tested in it. I like this phrase. A friend told me this. A man of experience is never at the mercy of a man with opinions. <laughs> I found that to be so true. I talk with atheists. I talk with so many different varieties of people, including Christians that aren't that much like myself. But I have a great confidence. Why? Because I've practiced what I believe. I've put it into practice. I've tested it out. I've had to live with it. And I've let God live with me in it. As you practice it, it really gets worked out and you understand it much better as you try to walk it out. That's the whole point of the gospel. It's a way of life. It's a, it's a practice. Knowing the things we're supposed to practice, even if we knew really well the things we're supposed to practice, it wouldn't do much for us if we don't practice them. Why do we read scripture? Why do we pray? So we can say we're good prayers so we can check the box and say, God, I did a really good job praying in my Christian life. Why do we read the Bible? Why do we try to know truth? So we can have all our truths and say, I know the truth and I can argue truth. And, or is it so we can live in a certain way, the way God desires? It's about a way of life. Let me see if I can get into some scriptures here. It's a way of life. We're learning good information. We are developing good practices because we're practicing towards the presence of God. I think it's very interesting, you know. We say we're going to go to heaven when we die and be with God. What are we doing now to journey towards that? Like, 
if we think it's such a great thing, why, like, why not start to move towards it now? Why are we, what are we, why are we waiting? If God's so good, like heaven's the presence of God. It's not a place. It's the presence of God. God is here with us now. Oh, sorry. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans in the world. We're not orphans. We're not, we, we're not in this place where we have to wait to be with God. We can start to live life with God now. That's exactly what Jesus said. That's what he offered. Let me jump over. I think this is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's where I'll start. Oh, go back here. Oh, that's Galatians. <laughs> I, I might get to Galatians. Oh, I'm sorry. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Hmm. Okay. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord. This is Paul talking. Therefore I, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling to which, with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, being diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Again, Paul starts this whole section. I urge you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. You've been called, right? That's what salvation is. God called you. God moved in your heart to convict you about the way you were living. And Paul says, now that you've had the calling to a different kind of life, now live it. Don't just receive a calling, but live in a way worthy of the calling. Walk in a way, in a manner worthy. It's a walk. We walk in a way worthy of the calling, which means we honor the calling by answering the call Again and again and again. Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. These are not just pretty words, metaphors, quaint pictures of mental truths. This is a life. Jesus said, take up your cross daily. Deny yourself. Follow me. What does it mean to follow Jesus? To deny yourself. To take up your cross daily. It's a daily Work. It's a daily walking with Jesus as Jesus begins to perfect his character in us and make us like him. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Jesus Christ now lives in me. Live. It's a life. It's a way of living in connection to Jesus. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take upon me, take upon you my yoke. Walk with me. Be a yoke, if you don't know the imagery, I'm sure you probably heard this, but a yoke of oxen, it was a wood yoke, and the oxen, it went around their neck and it bound them together. They had to move together. Jesus is saying, come to me, there's a way to be bound to me very intricately and intimately, and we walk together, and really, I, you walk with me and I do all the work. It's learning to walk with me, to be with me, and let me guide you and really carry you along. The cool thing about the yoke of Jesus is that he does really all the work. We just learn to walk with him. He leads us and guides us. And we're not trying to figure out where to go, what to do. We're trying to figure out how to walk with Jesus, become like Jesus. I'm going to skip over. This is Ephesians 4 still. This is, this is verse 7. That was verse 1. 
He says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. It explains how he descended and ascended with, with gifts. Okay, but then he goes to the gifts in verse 11. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature person to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Whew. Like, God has given us talents, abilities, giftings. Why? For the, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. There's a work. There's a work. Right? There's something we're supposed to be doing. Practicing. There's a practice. It's a way of life. There's something we're supposed to be doing. There's a ministry. It's building up the body of Christ. We are the body. And I, I, let me see if he. Um, this is verse 15 in Ephesians 4. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head that is Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love um, it's interesting the next section is called the Christian's walk I do have this huh we'll get to that but um, backing up uh, yeah I started with verse 15 sorry I got lost a little bit speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in all aspects, into Christ. So Christ is the head and we're the body. We are the body. right? I mentioned earlier for the building up of the body of Christ. Like This is what we're supposed to be doing is helping build up the body. We're a part of the body. We have a part. Our part has a work. This is what this whole section says. As each part, it says, being fitted and held together by what every part supplies according to the proper work of each part. We each are a part of the body of Christ and we each have a work. And when each part does its work, it says that causes the whole body to grow and be built up in love. Is the church being very loving? I talked about church hurt and talked about pastors not practicing what they preach and causing hurt. It says Paul, Paul says right here in Ephesians, when each part of the church is doing what it's supposed to do as that part, the whole church is built up as a body into love. And it also says that we grow up into Christ. Like we become more Christ-like as we each do the thing we're supposed to be doing as a body, as a part in a body, and then we all grow up into love. Why is the church not being seen as so loving? Maybe we're not walking. Maybe we're not growing. Maybe we don't understand that there's a work. It's a life. We're supposed to be practicing something. And getting better at it, like that's why when you pr- I, I I was in I was in band in high school, and there was the phrase "practice makes perfect." And then, and then one of my I took uh, music lessons to get better. I, um, and so then I heard this phrase: "Not practice makes perfect, but perfect practice makes perfect." <laughs> like, be careful how you practice, right? 
You have to practice to get better at something. You have to practice a lot. You have to be consistent. If you practice one day, go two weeks, don't practice for three weeks, practice, try to pick it up again, you almost have to start over. It's a continual practice and the continual getting better. You have to practice to get good at something, right? Are you practicing the Christian life? If you're not getting better, maybe it's the problem of your practice. What are you practicing? Are you practicing anything? aspect of the practices of the Christian life, there are practices. <sighs> One of my other practices, which I haven't mentioned, uh, which was very foundational, was writing. I mean, This is probably more so than even just reading scripture and, and prayer. Um, I don't know. Is that a good statement to make? Writing has been so formational for me, I'll say it that way. Like not only reading scripture, but writing and trying to write out my thoughts. I started, like journaling is one way you can do this. And you can journal prayers and you can journal scriptures. I've, I've often kept journals with just scriptures that I really liked. And that's been helpful. Why? I, I tell this story quite a bit, but in my 20s I sat down and wrote every scripture about the Holy Spirit. I wrote it out by hand. If you don't know much about education, when you write something out you're, you're, and then you read it, like you're engaging all the senses in the learning process. You're writing and you're seeing the written thing and you're writing it and then you're reading it. It just helps you engage with it so much more. Writing, so I would journal, I would write scripture, I would journal prayers. It's good to journal prayers. Why? Because you can see, you can look back and see what God has done. It's a journal, it's a, it's a, it's a record. It's a record of where you've been, what God has done. Like writing and this is interesting because uh, Jordan Peterson has this um, series now about, about creating your narrative and writing your story and living your story, right? And, but writing, for me, has just been so formational because I, I wrestle as I write. And I can even go back and see what I've written and like, oh my gosh, that's what I thought then. And there's, I have this record of my walk with God and my walk into truth and my walk in prayer. It's been so amazing. And I mean, I, now I write books, but... I just started out writing, like a journal, sometimes journaling, sometimes writing scripture, sometimes writing prayers. But I began to write down and try to work out what I believed. I wrestled with the truth. I wrestled with my understanding. I wrote it out. Not all of us are going to write papers or you can journal, you can write prayers. Like writing just does something for us. It's a practice that helps solidify God's truth in us so that we can live it out, so that we can know it and live it out, right? And it gets embedded in us. Um, there's a scripture that says, I've hidden thy words in my heart so that I might not sin against you. It's one way to hide, one good way to hide God's truth in our lives to embed it is to write. Engage. You're engaging and you're trying to work things out. Like sit down and write out what you think about, pick a topic, homosexuality in the church, a biblical understanding of marriage, a biblical understanding of parenting. What does the Bible have to say about surrender? What does the Bible have to say about the Holy Spirit? Write it out. Look up scripture. Write it out. Start to write. Write about your walk. Write your prayers out. Write your prayer requests. Write their answers. Write. Writing is a really good practice. Journaling, whatever. Write a blog. There, I mean, there's so many opportunities for you to write and put it out there. Whether someone reads it, you can read it. I love how Facebook will regurgitate past memories, right? I would say 50% of my past memories are 
this, things I've written out, little snippets of truths that God was teaching me. And it's so cool for me when they come up and be, I can be like, sometimes I'm like, wow, that's, that's not how I think about that now. And sometimes I'm like, whoa, I can't believe I had that understanding way back then. I feel like I didn't even know that till now. <laughs> it's like, it's cool to see my journey, to look back and see where I've come from. I have this record of my life because I write things out. So I think it's a good practice. We should all be doing it. Let me jump back to Ephesians. Because I said this next section was called the Christian walk. It starts out by talking about how the Gentiles, and the Gentiles would just be a reference to ungodly people, right? The Jews view Gentiles as ungodly. So it's just a generic term to say people that don't know God. Are, he says they're darkened in their understanding. They're excluded from the life of God, right? This is pretty serious. Like, just because we call ourselves by the name Christian doesn't mean that we're living the life of God, right? This is what I'm talking about. Living the life is different than knowing some stuff, having a world view, having some good morals. Like he says, they're darkened in their understanding, which excludes them from the life of God. So there is an understanding that helps us know what to do, but there's a life we're supposed to be living. He says, he says their hearts are, I'm just kind of skipping around. Their hearts are hard. They're calloused. They've given themselves over to indecent behavior for the practice of every kind of impurity. <laughs> the practice, what are they practicing? They've given themselves over to, a, to bad behaviors and impure practices. Here we are about practices. But he says, you did not learn Christ in this way if you indeed have heard him and have been taught in him. Hmm. And then he says that in reference to your former way of life, you are to rid yourself of the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you are to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. There's an old self. There's a new self. We've been taught in Christ. It's our former way of life. He says, this is the way you used to live. It's about living a life. This is the old person we used to be and the old way we used to live. Is there an old way you used to live that you don't live anymore? Or you just have some new truths? Do you have a new way of life or do you just, do you just have new truths? Practices help us learn a new way of living because we're practicing. And you practice. If you want to get good at something, you have to practice it. And you have to be consistent you have to practice it a long, long time, continually. You have to be faithful to practice it. There's the practice. What are we practicing and what we're practicing for? We're practicing a life, a way of living, a way of living with God. Mm. I think I'm getting closer on my time. So... What does this have to do with hearing God? Right? Well, I talked about those two books, The Practice of the Presence of God and The Imitation of Christ. Thomas A. Kempis wrote The Imitation of Christ. Brother Lawrence wrote The Practice of the Presence of God. <sighs> My journey of coming to, to a great enough intimacy with God to be able to really hear God. It's taken me over 30 years. It was a slow process. I like to say this. God is in the long game. 
You can't hear God in a day, a week, a year, a decade. It takes time. It takes dedicated practice and dedicating yourself to the practice of certain practices. (laughs) And it takes doing those a long time. And it takes understanding what the practices are supposed to lead us to. They're supposed to lead us to intimacy. Sometimes, this is also what we call the disciplines. There's a really cool book. I think it's Foster, The Celebration of Discipline. He talks about the disciplines and how we do the disciplines. Like, sometimes Christian disciplines or practices can be the end in themselves, right? If we don't understand what we're practicing for. Sometimes we think the practices are the end goal. We, we walk around going, oh, I'm such a good Christian because I have these good practices. I read my Bible every day. I pray every day. I do good works of service. And Scripture says, if you do all these good things and you don't have love, it doesn't matter. And Jesus said, if you don't know me, it doesn't matter. It's not about the practices. The practices are a path. I talked about that in, I think, the second part of the series. There's the light, scripture, there's the path, which are traditions, and there's the place we're trying to get to, right? Sometimes the the disciplines and practices are like, um, they can be a path to God or they can be the destination. Like sometimes we're not using them to move us along on a path. We're just using them like badges on our chest to say, look at me, look at me, look how good I am. Self-righteousness, right? Jesus says, take up your cross, deny yourself. And yet sometimes we can use the very truths of God and the practices, the good spiritual practices to do the opposite of putting ourselves to death, that old self. Sometimes we can affirm the egocentric self through these practices. Look at me, look at me. Look how good of a person I am. Look how, and then what's the opposite? Well, look how bad of a person you are. Even as Christians, we can call other Christians bad because look, they're not doing what we're doing. We're good people. Look at all the good things we're doing. And well, look, I love people really well because I go help the, the homeless over here and the, I go take food to my neighbor. And, and what are we doing? That may not be leading us to God. That might be leading us further into our self willed life, not further out of it. Because the journey is out of a self centered life to a God centered life. The journey is to know God. <clears throat> How do you learn to hear God? You practice towards intimacy with God for a long time. You do the practices, but you understand where they're leading you. It took me a long time to begin to even hear God a little. It was frustrating, but I understood the goal. A long time ago, I understood the goal. I understood how the practices could lead me to the goal, and so I understood what I should be practicing and what I was practicing it for. What I should be practicing, good Christian disciplines, why I practice them is to know God, to hear God, to know God and God to know me. <clears throat> I would encourage you, be faithful in some practices, but don't misunderstand what they're for. It's not so you can put badges on your chest and say, look how good I am. Look, oh, I'm, a, I'm an awesome Christian. I, I've not just gotten saved, I'm also getting sanctified. I'm not just like those lazy Christians over there who just go to church and warm a pew I'm a special Christian. <laughs> Dude, I can tell you, I was a very self-righteous Christian in my early 30s. And, and some of it because I was having spiritual experiences. I was beginning to experience God. And man, I, did, I looked down my nose at almost every Christian. Well, those Christians just know truth. I actually experienced God, darn it. 
How are you experiencing? Are you are you having spiritual experience? <laughs> I I even used intimacy with God as a badge on my chest. Not crazy, <laughs> but I was growing, and I think it's <clears throat> you know we're gonna have some immature behaviors if we're immature people, right? I was even as I began to experience God and and have visions and have dreams and have be attacked by evil spirit. Like it's so crazy that I could say, "Oh, look how special I am! I get attacked. I have I'm under spiritual oppression." <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I'm like, no, that's not something you chase after, right? Why would you even seek that out? It's so funny. But I'd wore it like a badge. Why? Well, I wasn't practicing <clears throat> in every way towards intimacy with God. Some of what I was practicing was self was towards self righteousness to make me more the center. And by God's grace, God continued to walk with me, give me spiritual experience and experience of intimacy and say, yeah, come on. It's not about that. I, look, don't go around just touting your spiritual experience like you're super spiritual and you're better. That's not why I'm doing it. But God didn't say, I'm out of here. <laughs> God said, keep walking. It's okay. Keep walking with me. You're getting there. This is a, you got that first taste and it's amazing and you're just like, why isn't everybody here? And look at all these other Christians who are just caught in dead religion. And, you know, I went through that phase when I first began to experience God in my 30s. But it was like, it's really like, this is a cool thing. Like I kept practicing. I had this experience, but I didn't say I've arrived. I didn't say now that I'm experiencing God, I didn't take these, what I would call now, random and minimal experiences of God and make them the end goal and be like, well, okay, I got here. I'm experiencing God in these really cool ways. Like now, because I kept practicing through prayer, scripture reading, writing, <clears throat> communion with God, I've gotten to a better place, a more mature place to look back and say, wow, I can see back then I thought I like arrived at the apex of spiritual experience and I was just beginning, right? It's a journey. That's the point. It's a journey. We practice the practices to move us to a place. And that place is God, intimacy with God. That's how you hear God. It's a journey. You have to know the practices that can get you there, and you have to know why you're practicing them. Not for self-righteous purposes, not so you can be a really good Bible nerd. (laughs) Be a good Bible nerd, okay? But not so you can be a good Bible nerd, but so you can know the truths that can set you free, that can lead you to know Jesus and God, okay? Be a good prayer warrior but not so you can say you're a good prayer warrior and so people can come to you and go oh he's such a good prayer warrior she's such a good prayer warrior that's a person look at them and you can go yeah that's right that's right i'm a good prayer look at me no that's not why we practice we don't practice these things to draw people to ourselves we practice these things to be drawn to god how do you hear god i it's a mystery i can't say do a or I can't say A plus B equals C. I can say practice for a long time towards the goal of knowing God and you'll get there. Do you have good practices? Are you practicing them towards the right goal? <clears throat> That's the question. <sighs> That's for you to look at. There's a lot more practices than just the three I've mentioned, which are Scripture reading, prayer, and writing or journaling. <clears throat> There's communion. I think a really good practice is, is uh, reading others who have known God and, and what their lives are like and like 
garnering the character of God as God's character is revealed to people that knew God. What they have to say about knowing God, what it's like. It's another good practice. Re- reading more devotional type um, books, instructional books. You know, I call those um, supplementary truths or, or sources. Right? We supplement even the sacred scriptures with people who have modeled knowing God. There's so much you can do. Like be in faith community, be in community with people. Be rubbing shoulders with more mature Christians. Be discipled. Be in relationship with people who can mentor you towards knowing God. But know the goal. The goal isn't, look at me. Look, I, I'm being mentored by this really, this elder at the church who everybody really admires. Look, I have a special relationship. <laughs> like, again, what is the goal? Not, not self-promotion, self-denial. Self-denial leads us to empty ourselves to be filled by God. That's what the one of the that's what Brother Lawrence said. We need to work on being emptied of all the things that are obstacles to knowing God. We need to be practicing the presence of God. What are you practicing? What are you practicing for? Right? Practice makes perfect. I think the church is in a crisis because we've forgotten that we're practice, supposed to be practicing something and we're supposed to be practicing towards something. We have a lot of good truths. We speak a good game. We don't play a good game. As the, as the phrase says, that dog don't hunt. <laughs> like, you know, you, you don't just have your truth like a trophy on your shelf. It's meant to inform how you live so that you can live and walk in it. Uh, You know, I had a lot of other verses. I was going to go to James where he says, faith without works is dead. He says, even the demons, you believe in God, even the demons believe in God and shudder. Big deal. Don't just have beliefs, but a true belief is something we practice. What are you practicing and what are you practicing for? Only you can search that out. Just know that it can lead you to intimacy with God. It takes a long time. It takes a faithful dedication. It takes a consistent practicing of these disciplines and these practices to get us to the place where our practices lead us to the practice of the presence of God, to the imitation of Christ. Those are good books. There's other good books. Read about people who really practiced towards the presence of God. That's the point. That's where we're headed are you growing? Are you on a journey? Are you walking? There's another scripture I didn't get to, but it says, just as you have received Christ, so walk in him. Receiving Christ. We've gotten saved. You've received Christ in a way, but are you walking with him? Paul says, don't just receive Christ. Walk in him. Galatians, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. It's a walk. It's a journey. It's a life. We're practicing a way of living and we're getting better. But we're practicing towards a way of living with God, not living with truths, not living with good practices alone, not living with good community, good preachers, good leaders, living with God. That's what we're practicing towards. Hey guys, this has been a Construction Monk video, or a, sorry, a Construction Monk podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Ori. And you can check out my videos at Jay Randall Ori by Googling Jay Randall Ori or it's, on, it's a YouTube channel, so you can go to YouTube or you can get my stu- more stuff at my website, www.moderncontemplative.com. This has been 
a construction monk podcast, which I already said. But hey, I'm practicing. <laughs> I love you guys. Develop some good practices. It may take a long time before you start to hear God, but you will. All right, love you guys. Bye.